This podcast is presented to you by Pastor Derek Armstrong and Word of Grace Community Church. For more information, please visit WOGCC.com. Isn't God good, church? Amen. 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 Go ahead. I mean, don't be shy. If you're going to clap, clap. Let's do it. When claps, everybody claps, right? (laughs) Man, God is just so good. God's been just doing so many incredible things, just kicking off this year, and I think that God is just really affirming and confirming what He's doing in and through this local body and what He's wanting to do in the hearts and lives of people. Yesterday, we just saw a tremendous um, just, just camaraderie and openness in our men's ministry. It was just really incredible what God did there. It was amazing. And if you missed it, man, I would encourage you to make it a priority. Our next meeting is going to be February the 7th. You don't want to miss it. And all you guys that were there, make sure you bring somebody next time with you because, man, I just think that this is something that is just going to impact um, the, the, the men of our church and the men in our community. And I think that it's so important for men to step up and to take that role of that spiritual leadership that God has given us, that mantle that he's put on us. Amen. And he wants us to lead the way, and he wants us to step up and take charge and be men of prayer, be men of action, be men of the word, be men who are watchmen on the wall. One of the things that our group talked about yesterday uh, was to be someone who is being watchful, someone who is being attentive. And I even think that means being a watchman in this church, that God has called us as men and given us a responsibility to be watchmen here in the church, to protect the flock, to watch over the flock, to pray for the flock, to uplift people when they're down, to be there for people, to be just just those strong leaders that God desires for us to be. And he's showing us how to do that, and he's leading us in that. And I think that what we have to do as a church to keep moving in that direction is really focus on the thing that I'm going to talk about today, and that is discipling forward. Talking about moving forward in discipleship. As we talk about direction for 2015, that growing as a disciple strengthens the church. Amen? Wouldn't you agree? That if you and I as individuals grow as disciples, that the church, the body of Christ, both on a global sense and in a local sense, meaning word of grace here, our local body that we are called to, meaning that this local body is also strengthened when you and I grow as disciples. So that means that as I invest in my relationship with Jesus Christ, and I invest in my personal growth as a believer, that I should naturally be growing in the body of Christ and strengthening the body of Christ's effectiveness, strengthening our ability to move forward, our unity, all of the things that God is wanting to do in and through us as we personally make the decisions to grow, that we are strengthened together. Amen? And I think that to truly move forward, we have to be disciples because disciples grow in giving and receiving. A lot of times people think that they come to church just to receive. Or some people think that coming to church or being a part of a church is all just about giving. And sometimes we can get caught up in one extreme or the other. And we miss the point because we think that it's all about what I can get. Or I think about it's all about what I can give. No, God wants us to both give and receive. He wants that to be a continual flow. And the more we grow in understanding that, the healthier we're going to be as a church, the healthier we're going to be as as disciples. We're called to grow in these areas because it strengthens the church both locally and globally. So I want you to understand that this is something that God has called us to do. In your Bibles, in the book of John, chapter 7 and verse 37, here we see John 7 and 37. 
Jesus said this. He said, on the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out saying, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. So let's stop right there. So we see here the principle that God has established of both giving and receiving as a disciple of Jesus. Because what did Jesus say? He said, come to me and you're going to receive something, right? I'm going to give you something. I'm going to give he who thirsts something to drink. But that's not where it stops. It's just not for the purpose of quenching your thirst. And you go, oh, that was a good church service. Or, oh, that was a good quiet time with the Lord that I had. I sure am glad that I made that decision to go today. I'm glad I made that decision to have that quiet time with the Lord. No, he says, and then after you've received from me, he said, out of your heart is going to what? Flow. Rivers of living water. And in verse 39, but he spoke concerning the spirit whom these believing in him would receive for the spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. Jesus cried out here to those who believed on him that they would produce rivers of living water out of their hearts because he is the source. It's not something that you're producing out of your ability or out of your strength. It's something that the Spirit of God does in you and then through you. It's not something that you have somehow conjured up or made happen. It's not God going, okay, I've, did, I've, I've done my part. Now I'm depending on you to just go out and make something happen. No, it's us submitting to what He wants us to do and He flows through us. It's His water still. It's His life still. It's not like it changed and we received his life and then all of a sudden it turned into something that we did no it's still his life it's just that we have become vessels we have become conduits of what he is wanting to do now when jesus said this there was something going on you notice here in verse 37 it says on the last day that great day of the feast so what are we talking about? What was going on? This is in the middle of the Feast of Tabernacles. And any time that there was a feast in Jerusalem, it was a hot mess, okay? I mean, if it's a feast, there's going to be music. There's going to be vendors lining the street. There's going to be music and singing and dancing. There's going to be people celebrating. There will be times of mourning and repentance. All types of activities going on during a big feast. And here we see this is happening during the Feast of Tabernacles. And this always had a significant event that would happen every time that the Feast of Tabernacles would take place. And this event was, was when the priest would come and walk through the middle of the people and he would take some water from the area where God supplied the water out of the rock that Moses spoke to. He would put this water, scoop it up in a golden pitcher, and he would walk through the middle of the people and take this water that God had supplied and he would pour it out onto the altar as an offering to God. And Jesus stood up in the middle of this crowd, in the middle of this feast, and I can just hear Jesus not just casually, quietly saying, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Because there's a lot of ruckus and a lot of noise going on. Here comes the priest, and he's carrying this water, and everyone's seeing this. They've seen it happen every year since they were a child. They've seen this event take place where the priest would take this water and offer it to God as an offering. And Jesus is standing up and saying, you know, the reason you've been doing that every year year after year the significance of it is that it's supposed to let you know i am he that you have been promised i am the one that has been prophesied in the scripture and that's just one more thing to confirm that i am who i am and if anyone is thirsty let him come to me and drink because i'm going to give you water that's going to satisfy you and then after you drink if you believe in me if you trust in me 
then out of you is going to flow this river of living water. Now, you can look in Exodus 17 and see about the, the, the water that God supplied from the rock. And then during this procession, the people would often recite Isaiah 12 and 3. Go ahead and put that up on the screen. Isaiah 12 and 3 says, Therefore, with joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. And as the priest would bring this pitcher of water as an offering, the people would recite this and they would sing this. Jesus was proclaiming. He was the fulfillment of this. And he was saying, listen, I am the source. In verse 37, we see the principle of Jesus being the supply. And once we receive from him in verse 38, we see we are called to pour out into others. Now, the significance of this will help, we'll we'll better see the significance of this, rather, if we go to 2 Corinthians 4 and 7, where Paul said to the church in Corinth, we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. You see, you and I are called to be vessels. That's our calling as disciples, to be vessels that he wants us to be ready, be open, and submit to what he wants to do, not only in us, to pour in us, but what he wants to pour out of us. I think that if you could just think about a a pitcher of water, and that being the source, and God's that source, and God is full of everything that you and I could need, everything that you and I could ever want or desire is wrapped up in the fullness of who he is. And God wants to pour out into every one of us. I think sometimes people gauge spirituality a little differently. They don't understand that a disciple is called not only to be poured into, but to be poured out of. And so oftentimes we will get focused on just getting filled up. And we think that's our role, that's our job, that's our gauge of spirituality, is how full we can get. And so we just try to get filled up as we can. We, we just want to pray all the time, go to church all the time. We just can't get enough of Jesus. And we just want to be all around him all the time, and we just want to get full, full, full. But yet we never have the mind to think about another and give. And we gauge our spirituality on how much scripture we've memorized, how long we've prayed, how long we've fasted, and we think that we have somehow accomplished something that's going to earn us something from God. And we look at God as just something, someone that we can get something from or someone that we're just working to try to get his love or get his salvation. We think that if we do all these things that he's going to fill us up. But if we miss the purpose of being filled up, then we're always going to be empty. We're always going to be longing and wanting. And we're never going to truly be growing as disciples because we can only go so far without understanding that it's not just us called to receive from God, but it's also us called to pour ourselves out because we're supposed to be poured into and poured out of. I think that the attitude and heart position of many believers in our American culture is all about how spiritual can I appear? What can I get? What can I try to soak up? And we don't even think about giving. We don't think about pouring out, but yet a disciple does both. A disciple, yes, man, do we need to pursue God? Do we need to be in his presence? Do we need to, 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 to grow in the word and pray and fast? All those things, yes, 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 and yes. But the purpose of those things it just doesn't stop with you and me. It's supposed to be so we pour out. Does that make sense this morning? Right. You see, so, so as, as I think about this, I, I think, what, was the, what does Jesus say about this type of attitude? And I think that one of the best texts that really explains that is Revelation chapter 3 and verse 14. And it's the lukewarm church where the angel of the 
church uh, to the Laodiceans write, these things says the amen, the faithful, the true witness, the beginning of the creation of God, and I know your works. I know you're neither cold or hot. I wish you were cold or hot because you're lukewarm and you're neither cold or hot. I'm going to vomit you out of my mouth. That's pretty strong words. These words are in red in my Bible. It says, Jesus saying, because you're neither cold or hot, I'll vomit you out of my mouth. Because. The reason I'm going to do this is because you say, I'm rich, I've become wealthy, and I have need of nothing. And you don't know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. He said, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire that you may be rich, and white garments that you may be clothed. (laughs) that will shame your nakedness so it won't be revealed and anoint your eyes with eye salve that you may see and as many as I love I rebuke and chasten he's not doing this because he's he, he, he hates you or he's doing this because he's actually wanting to correct us to chastise us he says that behold I stand at the door and I knock if anyone hears my voice opens the door I will come in and dine with him and he with me you see here's Jesus and he's saying that when you get to a place, and he says this to the church. Remember, he's writing to the church of the Laodiceans. And he's saying, you think you've gotten to a point in your Christianity where you don't need anything, where you don't need to grow, where you don't need to do anything, where it's just time to coast. It's just time to take it easy because I've done all I can do, and it's time for me to just sit back in my easy chair and just coast. And I'll let somebody else take over, and I'll let someone else do this. And we think that it's not our job anymore to pour out. And so we just kind of gather together and we assemble together and we don't realize how wretched we are. We don't realize how poor we are. We don't realize how naked that we are because we think we've already done everything, seen everything, experienced everything, got everything we need to get. And we get to a place where we're not teachable and we're not growing in our walk anymore. And oftentimes we'll blame the reason that we're not growing in our walk is because, well, I'm just not getting enough deep teaching or I'm just not receiving enough of this or that. And we always want to cast blame and pass blame or, you know, I've already put in my time or I've already done all of these things and I'm tired. Well, if you're still sucking air, you still have a purpose. Amen? I said if you're still sucking air, you still have a purpose. And I want to challenge you to go where God wants you to go. Because where He is leading you, He wants you to grow. God's plan for you is never to get stagnant or lukewarm. It's never His plan for you. And His plan happening and manifesting in your life is contingent upon your desire to submit, your willingness to submit to His leading and His direction. He's not going to force Himself upon you and just do whatever on you and through you and in you. You have to be led by the Holy Spirit. He is a gentleman. He's someone that wants to lead and guide you into all truth. And we have to submit ourselves and trust Him step by step. And so we need to grow where we are planted. We need to grow where God has us in life. In the job that you're in. In the marriage and relationships that you have. With your family. In your church, He wants you to grow where you are planted. And that growing is not just contingent on what you can get. Amen, somebody. It's on what I can also give. Because a lot of people get to that place where they feel like, I'm just tanked up, I'm I'm full. I'm full. But you know what? If, if, If I have a full glass of water, that's a good thing. But if I never 
use it or drink it or ever share it or ever give it to someone and it never gets emptied again and it never gets drank from, then it's not doing anybody any good. And the longer that water sits there, the more yucky it's going to get. And the more you leave that water sitting out, you're not going to want to drink it. Sometimes we collect water bottles backstage. The worship team will get water bottles and you'll be like, whose water bottle is this? How old is this water bottle, by the way? And so we had to start putting our names on them so that way we could go, hey, you left your water bottle out last week. Because, I mean, nobody wants to go, you know, drink a glass of water that's been sitting out for very long. But yet when we think that our measure of Christianity and our measure of our walk with God is just about what all we can get, then we're missing the point. Is that part of it? Absolutely. But if we focus on that, we're unbalanced. And if we're unbalanced, we're going to become stagnant and lukewarm. And Jesus gives us a warning. He gives us a rebuke to hopefully break us and shake us and awaken us because we need to get to the place in our walk with God where we realize, man, I never get too old or too experienced or too accomplished to stop needing Jesus. I never get too old, too accomplished, or too experienced to stop needing His Word every day. Amen? Amen. I never get too old, too accomplished, or too experienced to stop needing to gather with the church body and with the church family and pray. Or to pray as an individual. I never get to a place where I all of a sudden have a reached elite status as a Christian. And oh, that's nice for those people, but I don't need that. If I get there, then I'm blind. I'm naked, and I don't even know it. I'm missing the point, and I don't even know it. Because I think I've somehow arrived, and I am somehow above Scripture. Or I'm above certain Um, things that Christians do. Oh, I don't have to have that. That's for those people. No, no, no. If we're supposed to grow, we not only need to be people who are seeking after things to uh, nurture us and help us to to, to grow in our understanding and our revelation and our knowledge, but we need to be people who are seeking to give. Now, there's a flip side to this because some people have the attitude that that, that they'll agree with me and they'll be like, oh yeah, all those stuffy church people, they just want to know everything and they don't want to do nothing. Well, I I do everything and I I, I give and I serve and I just wear myself out for the sake of the gospel. Whoa! (laughs) And they have equated their righteousness to what they can give, to what they can do. And so they would be like that glass that poured itself out, but then it just kept on shaking and shaking and shaking and keep getting the little drops coming out. And then there's nothing left. And they keep shaking and shaking. And the reason that they they keep trying to pull themselves out because they think if I keep pouring myself out, even though there's nothing on the inside to pour out, they think that that equates to spirituality. They think that that equates to me growing as a disciple. If I just give, if I can just, just spend myself, that's how I'll grow. And that's how I'll be spiritual. I'll just give and give and give. What does Jesus say about these folks? Well, let's look in Luke chapter 10. Go over to Luke chapter 10 and verse 38. Luke chapter 10, verse 38. Now it happened, now it happened as they went, uh, as they went, that he entered a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house, and she had a sister called Mary who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her, come help me. 
And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you're worried and you're troubled about many things, but one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen the good part, which will never be taken away from her. So you see, was Mary doing a... Uh, was Martha doing a, a, a bad thing by serving? A- ab- absolutely not. But she was so troubled and worried about everything being a certain way and that she was getting frustrated with, with her sister who wouldn't come and help her. Just like oftentimes I think that there's a group of people in church culture that get frustrated with others who won't come alongside and help because I give and I serve and I do all of these things and nobody's coming alongside me. But at the same time we're serving and our gauge is on E. And we're not serving out of our overflow. We're not serving out of the fact that we have been going and drinking from the well, that we have been growing with God and growing in our relationship with God. Matter of fact, I think that sometimes we get haughty and prideful in the fact that we equate our spirituality to how much we do for God. You see, are either of those things bad? Are sitting at the feet of Jesus and growing and learning and getting filled with knowledge and, and, and with His Spirit and, 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 and tanking up in and, and, and prayer and, and just worshiping at His feet, are those things wrong? No, absolutely not. Is serving, is giving ourselves away uh, and, and for the sake of the gospel, is, is us spending ourselves, is that wrong? Absolutely not. But when we just focus on one and not the other, we become imbalanced. And we get to this place where we think that we're more spiritual than someone else because of either what we do or what we know. What we do or what we've experienced and what we have done. And we allow these things to create frustration in our walk when actually all it truly does is burn us out, make us prideful, keep us stagnant, and drive division in the body. But if we will grow as disciples... We grow in what? Both giving and receiving. So you never, ever, ever. Look at somebody and say, never, ever. No, 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 no. Come on, play with me this morning. Come on. Look at somebody and say it really, really, really. Just say never, ever. Just like that. Oh, you guys said it. That's good. That's good. It's a little creepy in here this morning. That's okay. Never, ever. You will never, ever. Get to a place where you stop needing to grow in your relationship with God. Amen? Amen. And you will never, ever get to a place in your relationship with God as long as you are still here on this earth where you will stop need, uh, having that need to give or to be involved or impact, make an impact for the kingdom of God. <laughs> you, you, won't, you won't get to a place where you need to quit either one of those. But we become out of balance when we think that one is more important than the other because they're not. And there's two different camps in church culture. I've grown up in church my whole life, and I've been a part of both types of mentality, you know. I grew up in a church where it was all about what you could get, how spiritual you could be, how spiritual you could perform. And then I've also been in churches where it was all about what I could do, and we were just a bunch of busy bodies and busy bees, but we were all very weak and immature in our faith. I've been a part of both, and you've probably seen both. And neither one necessarily are bad as long as they are together and balanced, Amen. It's when we go to one extreme or the other and we say, this is what God wants us to do or this is what God wants us to do. No, he wants us to be disciples. And you know what he did to the disciples? Sometimes they would sit at his feet and they would receive from him. And sometimes he would send them and they would go and do. It was never one extreme or the other. It was always he would equip them, pour into them, and then he would send them. 
And that's our job as the church. That's our job as the body of Christ. That's Word of Grace's job, is to equip disciples for the work of the ministry. Because Jesus is the source. He's the one that we drink from. And he never runs dry. Amen? Amen. So do we need to be poured into? Yeah, absolutely. Do we need to be poured out of? Yes. That's how you know you've got a good vessel. The one that you use, right? The one that you give to goodwill is the one you never use, right? The vessel that's just sitting there, and you go, man, what's that thing been sitting there forever for? You know, we really need to get rid of that thing. We don't ever use it. Yeah, absolutely. Why do we have... I remember one day, me and my wife, we went through our cabinets, and we realized that we had six one-gallon pitchers. And we were like, why do we have so many pitchers? Like, are we going to make that much tea and lemonade and Kool-Aid and just stock our refrigerator in case a zombie apocalypse happens? I mean, I don't know. Why do we have so many pitchers? It's ridiculous for a family of five to have six pitchers. There is no way we need that many. And so we went through them and we said, we're not using these vessels. So let's take them to Goodwill and let someone else use them. You and I are vessels. You and I are jars of clay. And we have been molded and shaped according to the potter. And he wants to pour into us and he wants us to pour out. Amen? Jesus said, come to me, he who thirsts, because I'm going to give you water, and you're never going to thirst again. He said, come to me, come and sit at my feet. Mary, come and sit at my feet and learn from me and grow with me. But then out of your heart is going to flow rivers of living water. It's him that is flowing in us and through us. And we need to always guard against the unbalanced Christianity that would weaken the church and cause people to become self-righteous because it takes our focus off of Jesus and it puts the focus onto us. But a church that's focused on discipling forward is going to grow stronger together. If we're focused on discipling forward, because we grow stronger in, 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 in healthy uh, disciplines as disciples when we invest in the things that God wants us to invest in, when we invest together in both giving and receiving. And we grow stronger because healthy disciples will invest in making others disciples. That's what God has called us to do. If you are a disciple, one of the key components is that we are going to be not only poured into, but we're going to be pouring out of, so we are going to be investing in other disciples as well. If you have your Bible, go to Titus chapter 2. Titus chapter 2 and verse 1. You know how some, sometimes you have the little headers in the Bible. Some Bibles have that, some don't, you know, over certain paragraphs. It kind of lets you know what the, what, the, what the portion you're about to read is about. Well, mine has one right above Titus chapter 2. And this is the little title that's above Titus chapter 2. It says, Qualities of a Sound Church. I love that because I think that this really encompasses giving and receiving, that it encompasses growing as disciples, it encompasses discipling, forward qualities of a sound church titus chapter 2 and verse 1 he says but as for you speak the things which are proper for sound doctrine that the older men be sober reverent temperate sound in faith in love and patience the older women likewise that they be reverent in behavior not slanderers not given to much wine teachers of good things that they admonish the younger women to love their husbands to love their children to be discreet to be chaste to be homemakers, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be blasphemed. Likewise, exhort the young men to be sober-minded, in all things showing yourself to be a pattern of good works, in doctrine showing integrity, 
reverence, incorruptibility, sound speech that cannot be condemned, that one who is an opponent may be ashamed because he has nothing evil to say about you. Exhort bondservants to be obedient to their own masters as well as pleasing in all things, not answering back, not pilfering, but showing all good fidelity that they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior in all things. You see, the church, I believe in our day and age, is under a massive attack. And it's an attack that I don't think many of us recognize because it's not just an outright blatant attack that we may be privy to if we're not careful. But I think that the battle and the war that's going on in the church, especially the American church, is the battle of apathy. And I think that apathy is a war that is being waged in the church, and it's a war that is trying to steal the hearts of men and women from the calling and purpose that God has for them. It's a war that is raging, that is trying to put to death and put to sleep and kill the passion and the fire of the local church from being who she has been called to be. Amen? And I think that if we as the body of Christ realize what the enemy is trying to do, that we should rise up and awaken from our sleep, that we should rise up and awaken from our slumber and be about the Father's business of winning souls, making disciples, receiving from God, spending time at His feet, and then pouring out to a world that desperately needs hope, who desperately needs Jesus. That's our calling. That's our commission. That's who we're supposed to be. And Word of Grace is a church that has made efforts to focus on discipleship. And we're not going to stop. We're going to continue to make those efforts to focus on discipleship. Because apathy can sit in so quickly. We can get to the place to where church doesn't become a priority. Where relationship with God doesn't become a priority. Where prayer isn't a priority. Where growing in our walk with God isn't a priority. Because we think we've arrived or we think it's all about what we can give and do. Instead of being balanced and growing as disciples who are loving God and loving people and serving the world. Instead of being people that Titus 2 talks about who are vigilant, who are sober-minded, who are teaching and admonishing those who we are called to disciple. You see, God has given us a commission. God has given us a mandate. And that is to be about making disciples. Before Jesus ascended into heaven, one of the last things that He said on earth Matthew 28 and verse 19, he said, Go therefore into all the world and make disciples. That's what he told us to do, okay? And so him speaking to us as his church, he is saying, Word of grace, go therefore into Sheboygan County and the areas of influence that you have, into your workplaces, in your families, and make disciples. Disciples. You know, first and foremost, we are called to make disciples in our families. Amen? Amen? That is your first and most important ministry. That is my first and most important ministry. I love every one of you guys, and I am extremely passionate about this church and extremely committed to this church as the senior pastor. But I am more committed to my family. Amen. I am more committed to my wife and my children. Amen? Because that's who God has called me to. That's who, if, if I lose my family and I have a great thriving church, then what does that say? It says nothing. I, I have to make sure I spend time with my children, make sure I spend time with my wife, that I'm discipling them. 
That is our ministry. That's why I think that our men's ministry is so huge because we're helping to exhort men. We're helping to invest in men and teach them their responsibility and how to raise their families according to the Word of God. Because it's my job, Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 11, he gives the fivefold ministry and he says the purpose of pastors, apostles, prophets, teachers, evangelists is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. And I think the greatest ministry you and I will ever have is our family the greatest ministry we'll ever have. It doesn't matter if we're ever on a big stage and signing books and all that stuff that people get caught up in. It doesn't matter if, if we have our own television program. If we lose our family, man, that's our first and foremost ministry. And we need to understand that we're called to that. We're called to disciple our family. And then we're also called to disciple others outside of our immediate family, our, our, our church family, those who God has called us to. Here as a church, we're supposed to sharpen one another, encourage one another, lift one another up. And we try to create different ways to do that here at Word of Grace. We have community groups. We have men's ministry. Uh, we have uh, different prayer events. We have our trek ministry that we're launching. We have our kids on the move. We have 180. All those things that are not meant to be a substitute. Understand this. Understand this. Those things are not meant to be a substitute for your discipling your family. It's only supposed to be an equipping to help you and encourage you and help you move forward. Amen? It's not, oh, I'm going to send them to church and they'll fix them. I remember I had a kid in my youth group. He was one of my board members' kids when I was a youth pastor in Oklahoma. This kid took some little firecrackers and blew up the toilet at home because it was underwater firecrackers. And he took those things and, and, and threw them in the toilet because the dad wouldn't let him play with them outside. So I said, well, I'll play with them inside. And he threw them in the commode and it blows up. I get a call. And he wonders what I'm doing wrong as the youth pastor. And I get chewed up and down by the board member because I should be doing a better job as a youth pastor because kids shouldn't be acting like that that come out of my youth group. Well, I'm sorry, sir. Out of your entire week, I spend about an hour, hour and a half max with your son. You've got him the rest of the time. You know, and, and, but, but I think that people have that understanding. Oh, I'll just put them in the Christian school. I'll just send them to church. Get them some good church in. That's what they need, some good church. And they just need a good church service. No, what they need is an example, a model, someone to invest in them on a daily basis, someone who isn't perfect, someone who's willing to admit their mistakes, admit their faults, to repent, to tell their children and their wives and their husbands, tell them, I'm sorry, I made a mistake, and to repent to them and show them grace, show them love, teach them the Word of God, admonish them, help them to grow up, and send them in the way that they would go. And our job here at Word of Grace is to help one another do that because it's not like we just throw you out there on your own. No, you got family here. We're a family here at Word of Grace. And, and, and when you're weak, when you're struggling, we're here to encourage you when you don't know what to do with that crazy kid of yours. Go talk to someone who's been through that. Someone here in your church family that you have built relationship with, that you know, that you trust, that you see that their children are serving the Lord, that you see. And, and, and I guarantee you, they've been through things and they will level with you and go, you know what, we've been through similar things and this is how God helped us during these times. When someone's struggling in their marriage, the body of Christ is supposed to rally around them and help pray for them and strengthen them and encourage them. When you're struggling with addiction and pain, man, we care about you. We want to rally around you, help you grow as a disciple. We want to pour into you because we've spent time at the feet of the Father. We want to be that Titus 2 church. We want to be that Titus 2 church where, where even people who are older in age, not necessarily even, even, even the fact that 
that, that, that they've been a, a Christian their whole lives, people who are older in age who just have more life experience can speak into our lives and help us to learn and grow things in, in, in areas. I think it's funny because I, 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 I'm, I'm next month, I'll be 33 years old. And when I came to work Grace, I was 29. 29. And, and next month, I'm going to be 33. And, and as I think about it, the things that I used to worry about when I was 29, in just that short time at 33, I've grown so much in my trust and my understanding of, 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 of God and His faithfulness in just a short time. I think about the things that God has led us through, and I couldn't imagine being a person in my 70s or 80s or even 90s if God allows me to live that long and just learning the faithfulness of God. And you know how much of a valuable resource that is to someone who still freaks out about every little thing because they're young and inexperienced? You know how valuable that that steadiness is? That's why we're supposed to admonish and train and teach and invest And here at Word of Grace, we want to provide opportunities for people of all different ages and all different walks of life to be able to come together and to help one another grow, to help one another know that God is faithful. Let me tell you a story. I remember when I was your age. One day I'll be able to tell someone who is dealing with something with their small child who has to be hospitalized. Let me tell you what happened when my daughter was born. Let me tell you what happened when my son got into a bicycle accident. Let me tell you what happened when we were broke as a joke and we didn't know how we were going to make it. Let me tell you how faithful God has been. Let me testify to the faithfulness of God. Let me encourage you, young person. Let me encourage you, person who is struggling in your marriage. We had a rough patch in our marriage during this time, and, and we had these feelings and these thoughts but we knew that this was something that God wanted us to work through and we grew through it and let me tell you how we did it. That's what we need to do, church. That's discipleship. It's relational. It's something that we do relationally. It's not just about having another Bible study or or another class and all those things are good and we're going to do that. We're going to do that. But we want to build relationship where we are doing life together. Not just coming to church and hearing a sermon together, but where we're doing life together, where we're growing together, where we are focused on discipling forward. Our church is going to grow stronger. Do you agree with that, church? Amen. You see, the church is going to endure, though, even though we're under attack. <laughs> the church is going to endure because God said it would. Amen. I've read the end of the book, right? <laughs> we went. Turns out pretty good for us. <clears throat> Turns out pretty, pretty bad for the devil and all those who rejected Christ. But it's going to turn out good for us, and we know that. And the church is going to endure, but it's our decision as a church that we have to make is what kind of legacy are we going to leave to our children? What kind of legacy are we going to leave to our children? What kind of importance are we going to put on relationship with Christ? What kind, of relation, what kind of importance and priority are we, are we teaching our children, not just through our speech, but through our example, what the importance is of prayer? What the importance is of coming to church and gathering together? What about the importance of growing in the Word of God? Are we teaching and showing those things? Because those things just aren't going to happen because they're supposed to. They're going to happen because someone intentionally invested because they were invested in. That's our call. That's our commission is to make sure that the church, that when our generations are dead and gone, that the church is still strengthened and it's still enduring, that we're still investing and leaving that kind of a legacy. Not that the church would be weakened because we feel like we're just too full and we don't need to get involved. 
not because we feel like everyone else should be like us and give, but yet we have no maturity and no depth to us because we weren't sitting at the feet of Jesus. We were too busy being Martha's. Know that we understand we've, we're called to both receive and give. And we model that and we show that to the next generation. That's how the church is going to be strengthened and endure in strength. Amen? Amen. The church is going to endure. No doubt about that. But it's up to us to make sure that we're doing our part to invest, to make sure not only does it endure, but it endures in strength. Amen? Amen. You see, I, I want word of grace to be around long after I'm dead and gone. If the Lord tarries and the Lord doesn't come back and get us before then, I want word of grace to still be in existence. And I want it to be more impacting and, and, and more, more, more effective and have a greater degree of influence in this area and have a greater impact for the kingdom of God than it ever did when I was here. Because a church, a group of people, rallied around the idea that kind of came from God himself. That we rallied around the idea of making disciples. And we focused on that. We focused at sitting at Jesus' feet, and we focused at pouring out. We focused at growing in our walk with God personally and individually, and we also grew in being a Titus II church who's investing in others. Amen? Amen. That's what he's called us to be. That's only going to happen when we realize our calling is a disciple. So what is a disciple? A disciple is a fully devoted follower of Jesus that is growing in loving God, loving people, and serving the world. You see, because as I'm poured into and I sit at his feet, that's me growing and loving God. And as I take that glass of water and pour out into other glasses, that's me loving people. And as I continue to pour and pour and pour, it's me serving. And then I, once again, am poured into growing in my walk and my love for God so I can pour out and love other people. And so I can continue to pour out and to serve. That's what he's called us to do. So this year at Word of Grace, we need to make a commitment to grow in the Word, to grow in relationship with God, to grow in prayer. That means making some commitments to invest in your growth as a disciple. And as you do, take advantage of opportunities to pour out what's being poured into you, into your family, around the dinner table, in the car, in the break room, here at your local church, in community groups, in serving, in giving, in investing in the next generation to strengthen the church, to strengthen yourself as a disciple for pouring out into others. So this is how the church is going to grow, thrive, and last and continue on. For generations to come, to be impacted, we need to be receivers and givers. We need to be partakers and investors. If we're one-sided, we're going to be weak. But if we recognize the call to grow as disciples and we answer that call, we're going to grow stronger as we disciple forward. As we wrap up, I wanted to give you just a few things to encourage you to grow as a disciple. Because growing as a disciple strengthens the church. Amen? Amen? So this year, I want you to commit to some things. I want you to commit to some things as a disciple, because growing as a disciple strengthens the church, strengthens the body of Christ, not just here locally. Yes, we need to be strengthened locally as word of grace, as this local body, but it also strengthens the body of Christ globally. And that's what you and I, making a commitment to grow as a disciple does. And a disciple is one who is receiving and giving. So here's what I want you to do this year, and I want you to write these down. This year, I want you to make a commitment to attend. Make a commitment to attend, to be a part, okay? We're going to commit to be at church this year. We're going to commit to be a part of what God is doing because I understand that I'm being equipped to invest in my family, in my relationships, to be sparked and stirred to do something for God. 
and, and to build relationship and to fellowship with other believers. So commit to be here. I want you to commit this year. This is part of our growth as a disciple that's going to strengthen the church. Commit to attend. Commit to pray. We need to be people of prayer. Amen? We've had our prayer initiatives going on. We, we, we prayed all the, 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 the first part of last week. And we're going to continue to pray. Don't forget our, our Take the Land prayer. We're going to start talking more and more about that. Every Wednesday, make a note. I want you at your noon hour just to stop and just pray wherever you're at. Whatever you're doing, take that time. Commit to pray. We also have pre-service prayer. In case you didn't know that, Pastor Andy leads that. Over in the Oasis room, which is the room that's in the southwest corner of the church. He's in there every Sunday morning at 8.15, and he wants to be in there just to pray and, and just prepare our hearts for the service. Maybe instead of uh, uh, just, just coming in and, and finding your spot, maybe God wants you to just grab your cup of coffee and go in there and sit and just pray. Pray for the service. Pray for the children's ministries. Pray for the nursery. Pray for the, the, the ushers and greeters. Pray for our, our Kids on the Move Junior. Pray for the worship team. Pray for the sound and, and, and the audio and the lighting and the video people. Pray for the people who are going to come here, who are going to hear the gospel for the first time. Pray for those that God is drawing here to be a part of this church family. Pray that those that come in weary and heavy are going to be encouraged and strengthened today. Pray that we meet and connect in relationship with one another and go deeper together. So commit to pray. Commit to give. Commit to be vested financially and, and, and obey God and trust Him with your finances by saying, God, I'm, I'm going to commit to give this year. Because I believe this is where I'm called to be, and I believe in your word. And when we give, it's us saying we're trusting God with our finances. It's us saying, God, I, I want to be a part of what you're doing in the earth. I want to be a part of investing in eternal things. So I want to commit to give. I want to make it a priority, not just a casual thing, not just when I have extra. I want to make it a priority and say, God, I want to be a tither. I want to be someone who designates that 10%, who is engaging at the heart level. Because I'm saying that I trust you, God. You've required this. You've said, try me in this, is what he said in Malachi chapter 3. And God, I'm going to trust you because I know you're faithful. I want you to commit to get involved. Maybe you're not involved. Maybe, maybe you've been kind of on the fence about that. And that does, doesn't mean here on a weekend. It could mean anything that you do. We have people who uh, come up here that, that, that do all kinds of things, that just bless the church. Just be involved and get involved. If you have ideas, if you have things God's putting in your heart, we want to hear those things. It's not just about our staff all holed up in, in, in our staff meeting trying to come up with everything. We're all a part of the church family, all a part of the body. So if God is stirring something in you, let's talk about it. Let's pray about it. It. Let's see if it's a right fit or something that's for this season. And let's move forward together. Let's get involved together. And, and, and not just be people who come to church to be uh, partakers, but also givers as well. Let's commit to grow outside of the walls of the church. To not just be about what happens in here. Not just be what ha- about what we can accomplish within the four walls of what we call Word of Grace. But that we are the hands and feet of Jesus at our workplaces. That we're the hands and feet of Jesus at the restaurants that we go eat at at the grocery stores we shop in, at the places we do business, places that we work, the people that we touch. Let's commit to grow outside of the walls of this church, that we make it a priority in our homes, at our jobs, that we are going to focus on growing as disciples. And let's commit to invest in others, starting with your family. Amen? Amen. Would you stand up this morning? Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit wogcc.com.